We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Well, good morning, Hope Church. So good to be with you guys this morning. I am excited to bring you a message that I believe that God uh, we've been building up for as it is the title of this whole message series that we've been in since the beginning of the year called Sword and Shovel. Sword and Shovel, which is really the story of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was, was an ordinary guy and God called him and redirected his life into his calling, into his purpose, and what I believe, into his true identity. And uh, I hope this message series has blessed you as much as it has me, just really getting into the book of Nehemiah. I couldn't think of a more timely book to start off 2021 with than Nehemiah, as I believe it actually mirrors what's happening in our, in our country and in our world right now. And what I believe that in the church that we are building back on the foundation of which God established his church for. So I'm excited to bring you that. If you'll turn with me to Nehemiah chapter four, we're going to uh, continue to pick up on the second part of chapter four, starting in verse 14. Nehemiah chapter four, verse 14. Um, I'm going to read this passage of scripture to you. And um, I wanna ask you to do something a little bit different this morning, if you would. If you would honor the word of God by standing to your feet while we read it, Sometimes there's something about just standing in the presence of God, standing on the word of God that activates something in your life. And uh, I believe that God wants to activate something in your life today. I believe that you're not here by accident, that you're here on purpose and whether you come here every Sunday or you're here for the very first time, that there's something that God wants to activate in your life today. And oftentimes that activation comes when our faith connects with our feet and we actually do something we stand on what God is speaking and doing in our life amen so I want to read this to you Nehemiah chapter 4 starting in verse 14 after I had looked things over I stood up and said to the nobles the officials and the rest of the people don't be afraid of them Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And when, your en when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, armor. The officers, the officials posted themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who were carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of them, each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. And then I said to the nobles, officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight 
for us. Our God will fight for us. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word. I, I, God, I thank you that your word is alive, it's active, and it's sharp. And this morning, you want to activate your word in our life. God, I believe that you want to remind us how great and how awesome our God is. God, that we are, we are not just gathered here together to worship a small God, but we are gathered here together to worship the God of all creation, the God of the impossible, the great and awesome God. So, Father, today I pray that you would open our hearts. Would you just put your hand on your heart right now? Father God, I pray for every single person that is here present and watching online. God, I pray that your word would do what you want it to accomplish this morning. And I pray, Father God, that it would be not just in our head, but it would get down to our heart, that it would sink deep within our spirit, that it would challenge us, that it would change us, and that it would encourage us today to become the people that you've called us to be in Jesus' mighty name. God, I give you this time. I give you this microphone. It's not mine, it's yours. I'm your mouthpiece this morning. Holy Spirit, you have full permission. This is your service. This is your church. It's not mine. God, I pray that you use me, speak through me. God, to challenge, to encourage your people this morning. And God, right now, I want to lift up our great nation, the United States of America. Father, we are grateful and thankful that we get to live in this great nation. God, I pray that you restore this nation back to one nation under the authority and the power and the presence of God Almighty, the great and awesome God. God, would you restore the foundation of this country? Would you bring us back to our roots that we are founded and grounded on you, God? God, I pray for revival to sweep over this nation once again. God, we lift up President Biden and Vice President Harris to you, God. We pray that you would grip their hearts, God, that you would draw them to you. We pray that you would surround them with your presence, God, that you would put strategic people in their lives that are godly men and women to give them counsel, God, as they lead our country. Father, protect them, lead them, guide them by the power of your presence, by the power of your word. Give them wisdom from heaven on high. And Father God, I pray for the church in America. God, I pray that you would wake up the church. God, that you would empower the church for such a time as this. God, that you would wake up every single believer and follower of Jesus Christ to take their rightful place as a son and daughter of God called to be salt and light in this dark world in Jesus mighty name and everyone said amen amen, amen. you may be seated you may be seated man I am so I feeling a little feisty this morning I gotta I got to uh, I gotta admit that to you I want to read to you that um, first scripture that we read Nehemiah 414. I want to read this to you. This is the main passage that I want. I want it to not just be something we read over and we move on. I want it to be something that just sinks deep down into our spirit and that it resonates with us this morning, that we walk out of here, that it, it's, it's working in us. It's doing something in us. I want to read this to you, and I want you to just to listen to these words. After I look things over, there's a time, and we've been in a time of, of 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I've been challenging you. One of the things that we do during a time of prayer and fasting is we look things over in our life. We invite the Holy Spirit to come and look things over in our life. And, and for, I was telling somebody the other day, one of the things that um, is not so fun about fasting, other than the whole don't eat food part, 
you know, or, you know, watch movies or get on social media. You know, fasting is sacrifice. It's giving up something that we normally do so that we could get something we don't normally have. And, and we're going after God. We're not just giving up something. We're actually pursuing and desiring more of God. So I hunger for food. That's natural. But what I really want to do is give up something that I would naturally fulfill myself, that hunger with in a natural sense. And I want to fulfill the hunger inside my soul with the spirit of the living God. Amen? That's why we do it. But here's what happens oftentimes in the process of prayer and fasting is that as we engage in the process, God wants to clean us up. He brings things to the surface that normally we wouldn't see because we're so busy and we're not focused on those things. But when we actually take time to look things over and allow the Holy Spirit, like David said, search me, O Lord, and know me. Point out any wicked way in me that when we actually give God room and space to do that, he takes us up on the offer. And that's not very fun because oftentimes things, I, I tell people during 21 days of prayer and fasting, don't, don't get discouraged because sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. And this is where Nehemiah finds himself. They began this work on the wall and now they're about halfway done. There's something about being halfway complete. Like you're in the middle of what God is doing. You know God wants to do some things in your life and you're in you begin the process of engaging in them and you get working on those things and you're about halfway there. You've made some progress. You're not quite where you want to be yet and where God wants you to be yet, but you're starting to make steps to get there. And we see when that happens, the enemy awakens to the fact that, oh my goodness, these people are serious. They're actually engaging in the work that God wants them to and God is starting to move in their life and things are beginning to happen. And, and there comes a point where the enemy, the whole, this whole chapter four, the title of it is, they face opposition. When you begin getting serious about God moving in your life and engaging in the things that God has for you, let, you better rest assured that you're going to face some opposition because the enemy doesn't want that to happen in your life and in my life. But there's a process. And Nehemiah starts by saying, after I look things over, there's a time when you look things over and you allow God to show you what you need to work on. But there's a time when you need to actually stand up and start doing something about it. And this is the problem with a lot of us. We complain, we don't like our lives, we don't like where we're at spiritually, we don't, we're not happy with our marriages, we're not happy where, uh, you know, with our jobs or our career path or our purpose in life. We, feel, we get discouraged, we get disillusioned, but we don't ever do anything about it. I think this is a large part of the problem with what we're seeing in America. I, I want to challenge you. I believe I was telling somebody the other day that I think, now hear my, hear my heart on this, that one of the, the best things, God, you know that God uses all things for good. And that he's, he specializes in turning what the enemy meant for evil into good, right? And so the enemy thinks is one. He thinks it's taking our country away from us, turning people's hearts away from God. And I know that a lot of Christians were disappointed in the way the election ruled out. And this isn't a political speech one way or another. I, I think there's values that certain people stand for that are in alignment with the values of the word of God and what we stand for as Christians. And we need to align ourselves in that way. But I think, um, I wonder if for a lot of us, 
if President Trump got reelected, if we would have just taken a step back, taken a big deep breath and say, oh, we got another four years and gone back to our lives and the way we did things. And now a lot of us are, are disappointed and unhappy with the way things are. And I said, good. I hope it awakens you. I hope, it, I hope you get some fight in you. I hope that it, it makes us pray more and pray harder and pray for our nation and not just pray for our nation, but get involved in it. I think the church has sat back too long and, and it's time that the church gets its fight back. And that's the title of my whole message to you today. Because Nehemiah goes back in, if you go back to that verse, verse 14, after he looked things over, and after he stood up, there's a time you need to stand up. He said to the nobles, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of them. In other words, don't be afraid of your enemies. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Nehemiah is reminding them, listen, yeah, you've got some things in your life that are staring you in the face, telling you you're never going to get breakthrough. You're never going to change. You're never going to get rid of that sin in your life. You're never going to break that addiction. You're never going to become a good husband or a good wife. You're never going to be the parent that you always wanted to be, that I've called you to be. You're not going to be the man of God that you desire, that you know you can be inside, but you've tried and you've tried and tried and it doesn't seem to work. He said, now, Stay on that verse for me. Verse 14, he said, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and do what? Fight. Fight for your families. Fight for your sons and daughters, your wives and your homes. So I came here to tell you this morning that this fight that we're in, and whether you recognize it or realize it or not, you're in a fight. You're in a fight for your life. But you're not just fighting for your life. You're fighting for your families. You're fighting for your sons and daughters. You're fighting for your brothers and sisters. You're fighting for your church. You're fighting for your nation. You're fighting for a community. You're fighting for the valley. We're in a fight, and it's time to get your fight back. It's time to get your fight back. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's time to get your fight back. You see, Nehemiah, listen, Nehemiah, even though he was a child of God, he was a son of God, and he was an Israelite, he had been in captivity in Persia so long that now his role became cupbearer to the king of Persia, King Artaxerxes. And he had done that so long, I believe he got comfortable and he forgot who he really was. And he forgot what he was called to. And then when he hears about his homeland, something stirs within him, just like you could be in a service like this and you could get inspired. But if you, don't, if you just leave it there at inspiration, but never leave this place and do anything with the inspiration, nothing's gonna change. And that's the problem with us sometimes. We, we don't just need inspiration, but we need something to happen inside of us where we say, enough is enough. Come on, we gotta get a little bit of Popeye in us. I've had all I can stands and I can't stands no more, <laughs> right? We got to get a little fight in us that says something's got to change in my life. And sometimes for a lot of us, that means we have to hit rock bottom. We have to get to a place where we're so miserable, we're so unsatisfied with the holy dissatisfaction inside of us 
that we say, I've got to make a change. I've got to do something. I can't sit here any longer and watch my family get torn apart. I can't sit here any longer and watch my marriage deteriorate. I can't sit here any longer and watch my finances go down the tube and I'm tired of carrying the burden of it. I can't sit here any longer and, and watch my church diminish. No, I've got to stand up and I've got to start fighting. I got to fight for what, let me tell you, this fight is bigger than you. It's for the generations. This fight, is, that's why, let me tell, talk to, the, to our, our legacy people for a little bit. Our older people, you've been through some things. You've seen God move. And some of you are dissatisfied with lack of seeing God move. And let me tell you something. I, I'm, I'm glad for your dissatisfaction because I want you to lead the way. Lead us in prayer. Lead us. Come on, take somebody that's younger and take them by the hand and tell them stories about how God moved so that they remember. I want you to remember your great and awesome God and the, the powerful revivals and the things that he did in your life. I love our prayer warriors. I love the saints of old. If you're down and discouraged, sometimes you just need to grab somebody that's been through a few things, that's seen God move and do things powerfully and heal people and, and resurrect people that were dead in their sin and came back to life. Sometimes you just need to remember how great and awesome our God is. Now he's broken addiction off people's life because there's something, that's why we play a testimony video for you today, because there's something about remembering, because sometimes we forget and we need to remember. So here's what I want to remind you of. As soon as you start engaging in the work that God has for you, you're going to get opposition. I like to say it like this. No work, no war. No work, no war. Let me tell you, let me tell you too another way. No faith, no fight. No faith, no fight. And some of you, man, I, I, I tell people all the time, I had no idea what spiritual warfare looked like until I became a pastor. I thought I did. I thought like, you know, and I did, I mean, to a certain level, certain degree. But what we see in Nehemiah and, and the people who are trying to rebuild the wall, that as, as, the, as the work started building up, the opposition became stronger. So here, here's the first principle you need to understand. As you're working to build up, your enemies are working to tear down. As you're working to build up with God in your life, God's moving, you're coming to church. Now you'll notice this anytime you engage in the work that God has for you to do. So you decide, I'm going to start serving on a hope team. And you sign up. And, and the very first Sunday that you, you come to church to serve in kids ministry, you get into a fight with your husband on the way here. You're running late. You spill your coffee over you because you're scrambling to get out the door because you're running late. You get to church, some kid pukes up Cheerios on you and you have the absolute worst experience you've ever had and you say, ah, I don't think this is for me, I'm done. And this is a problem. Now let me tell you, let me give you a little asterisk here. There are certain decisions that we make in our life where we bring our own opposition on us, right? So don't attribute spiritual warfare or the enemy coming against you with bad decisions you make. So maybe you could have got up a half an hour earlier, set your alarm a little bit earlier so you weren't scrambling around to get to church. Is that the enemy or is that you just not putting in the work? See, here's the problem. 
And this is really the heart of what I want to talk to you about this morning, is oftentimes we attribute spiritual things to things that are within our control, right? Things that, the work that we can do. The work that I can do is I could set my alarm for 6.30 and not hit the snooze button three times so I don't get up late and I'm scrambling around and my head's all frazzled and I run to church instead of hitting that snooze button three times, I get up when I wanted to and I give God some time to move in my life. I don't have to rush and I give God some space. I come, I got praise music going on in the car instead of like scrambling to try to get to church and now I'm just in such a better place because I, I did the work to allow God to have the room to do something spiritual in me. But the problem is we usually either do one or the other. We either focus too much on trying to, to do the work and we get into working what the Bible calls works of the flesh. In other words, we try to build our life or try to see change happen in us out of our own strength and our own ability. So we'll do things which there's benefit of that. And by the way, what can trick us is it can work for a little while. Like, if you start reading your Bible, if you make commitments that you work at, that you keep, that there's some benefit to that, but it won't have the effect that if you did the work, and, and those are the things that are within our power to do, and you combined it with the things that we don't have power to do, which is the supernatural work of God. That's the spirit part. That, that, that's how we fight our battles. So when, when we face opposition, we have to fight it with a shovel and with a sword. But the real problem is that many of us, we want the blessings of God without the blisters. We want the blessings without the blisters. We want the blessings without the bruises. We don't want to fight for what God has for us, or we don't want to do the work. We just want God to bless us. And so let me just tell you right now, if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you want a comfortable life, you don't, you don't want to have to fight for anything, you want God to just bless you, and I think this is part of the problem with the American church. We've presented to people a, a version of the gospel that is, is void of any fight. It's void of, uh, it, it's all blessing, it's all feel good. Like if you just, if you want enough spirituality to just, you know, show up to church and do the bare minimum, you're not really pressing into God, you're not really seeking God, you're not really praying, but you just want to come to church just enough to get your Sunday fixed, just enough to feel good, just enough to, to, to ease your guilt and to remind yourself that you're going to heaven someday, then, then you're not going to experience a whole lot of opposition. But let me tell you, when you start to get serious about seeking God, when you start to get serious about pursuing Him, when you start to engage in the calling and the purpose in which God has called you for. See, Nehemiah got awakened. He realized he was comfortable in the palace. But God awakened him to, to say, and I believe it was, it was the grace of God on his life, to say, this isn't who you really are. I've got so much more for you and Nehemiah stopped to take it in. He stopped to take it in. And so oftentimes we wrongly think that because we're experiencing opposition, we're doing something wrong. And let me tell you, you're not doing anything wrong. It actually should tell you that you're doing something right. 
You're on the right track. You're on the right, you're on the right path. We don't face opposition because we're doing something wrong. We face it because we're doing something right. And that's exactly what was happening to Nehemiah and the people of Israel. They had enemies. You've got enemies. In fact, we found this, um, we found this archaic picture of the Israelites rebuilding the wall with some of their enemies that didn't want to see the wall happening. And, and I think you should see this picture because it really portrays how as they were building the wall, um, they had enemies that were opposing building the wall. Come on, I just had, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. That's funny right there. I don't care who you are. There's so many of those going around right now. I'm sure you've seen them. And I just think they're, my wife and I were just laughing hysterically at some of them. I also want to show you my Montana favorite one. And that's, uh, that's this one here. This is, this, is some, this is some guy's game camera. So this is at night, and a game camera takes pictures of how wild game is moving through the night. I just thought that one was hilarious. And that's a, that's a perfect Montana. That's a perfect Montana shot, isn't it? But the fight is real, isn't it? We feel it every day. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 8, 1, no, that's not right, 3 through 5, Paul reminds us that we're just not fighting like this fight that we're in. If you're, if you're a believer in Jesus, that we're, this fight is not a natural fight. It's a spiritual fight. He says this, for though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. In other words, there's, there's spiritual ways that we fight a spiritual battle. And he said the weapons that we fight with, they're not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. You see, the thing that the enemy doesn't want you to do, is he doesn't want you to know God. He doesn't want you to have a per. Now, you could come to church. He's fine. In fact, he's fine with us doing this as long as you don't leave here and do something with it. As long as you just find out a lot of head knowledge about God, you can know a lot of scripture, but if you don't ever do anything with it, if you don't actually take that, that's why our vision here, the first part of the vision statement of Hope Church is that you would know God. Not know about him, but know him personally. And any time that you engage and pursue God to know him better, to draw close to him, to, to lean into his presence, there's going to be resistance. Your flesh is going to like it. There's three things that oppose us in this world. That's Satan, the world, and our flesh. Satan, the world, and our flesh. Those are the things that oppose us. And so this is a spiritual fight. And today, I want to talk to you a little bit about the spiritual fight that we're in. And I want to encourage you that if we're going to really pursue God, and I hope that you are, I hope that just because our 21 days of prayer and fasting is ending, that this isn't stopping you from continuing to press in and pursue God. In fact, the whole, one of the big reasons why we do it as a church is to give you a taste of it. So you taste and see that God is good and that when you actually make room for God in your life, he begins to move. <laughs> Who knew? How many of you have ever been in, in, in an actual fight? I, I got my first taste of an actual fight in the fourth grade. Now, I know many of you think I'm just so wonderful and nice and kind, but, but in the fourth grade, 
I was kind of a bully. I was in St. Bartholomew's parochial school. It's a Catholic school for those of you who don't know that lingua. And, and in Yonkers, New York, and I got dressed every day in my little yellow and brown uh, suit, you know, my uniform that I had to wear to school, my little brown bow tie. And I would go, and I was kind of the king of the class. Ain't gonna lie. I, I was a little bit of a bully. Everybody in the class knew you don't mess with me. And it wasn't because I ever got in a fight. It was just because I, was, I, I intimidated kids. And I wasn't a bad bully, like one of those that steals your Twinkie out of your lunchbox or anything like that. But um, just enough to like, you know, everybody knew I was kind of king of the class. Well, there was this new kid that came to our class or came to our school rather named Terrence. Now Terrence, in the beginning, he was kind of a quiet kid. And so I made it known to him, like, you know, you don't mess with me. I'm kind of the king in the class. He didn't say much. But then one day we were out in the playground, and we were playing dodgeball or something, and I didn't like something he did, so I threw the ball at him. Well, Terrence had enough that day. And he, he came up to me, and he laid one on me. And before I knew what happened, he clocked me in the mouth. And I was just, I was kind of seeing, you know, like the cartoons, birds a little bit over my head. And I kind of looked at him. But I didn't know the kind of fight that he had in him. And sometimes we don't, we don't know the kind of fight that we have in us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm the head, not the tail. We sang about the authority of God. And, and Nehemiah, that's why I believe Nehemiah was reminding them how great and awesome our God is. Because oftentimes we look at us and say, Pastor Lance, I don't know how to fight like I don't know what I can do, just little old me. Well, Nehemiah could have said that about himself too. He could have looked at, do you know that there were millions of Jewish people that could have came home to engage in this work? Do you know that only 2% of them actually did? 2%. The rest of them got comfortable where they were they got so used to being slaves, they got so used to being in bondage that they forgot what it meant to fight for their freedom. They forgot that they were Israelites, that they were the children of God, and that they were called to rebuild their homeland, and not only just rebuild it, but to fight for it. And I think as the people of God, sometimes maybe we've got a little too comfortable, a little too cushy, and we need to get to a place where we're gonna stand up for our families. We're gonna stand up and fight for our marriages. So how do we do that? How do we engage in this spiritual fight? I've got a couple of things for you that I believe that the Bible shows us that we need to be able to fight this fight. And the first one is that we fight with faith. We fight with our faith. In Ephesians chapter six, Paul, he says, finally, he's, I love the verbiage that Paul uses. And I, I don't have it in, it's not gonna show up on your screen, but, but Paul, he reminds us in Ephesians chapter six, that finally, he's closing out this whole book of Ephesians and he's reminding the church. I believe he wants to remind us today. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We need faith. He goes on to say that, that faith, as he's concluding this whole passage, that faith is like a shield that shields us from all the fiery darts or arrows of the enemy. Now, if you look at, at Nehemiah and the opposition that, that they were facing, what it was is was a verbal assault. It's, it was intimidation. And this is how the enemy works. He's all talk and no action. Why? Because like Pastor Josh told us last week, he's a defeated enemy. See, now we get, we're fast forward. 
We're, we're in the New Testament age where Jesus defeated all his enemies, making a spectacle of them on the cross. And we live out of that place of victory. We live in the place where, where we have been freed of our sin, that the power of sin and death has been broken over us, and the curse of sin has been broken over us. But yet, too many of us, we live stuck in the past of who we used to be. We live too much stuck in the ways of the world, and we don't recognize that we are now seated with Christ in heavenly places. That when Jesus left the earth, he said, all authority and power that's been given to me because of what I did on the cross, now I give to you. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them every, to obey everything that I've taught you. And so, we can read all these things in the Bible, but do we actually believe it? That's faith. We have to use faith as a shield against all the things. So what happens is when you engage in pursuing God and moving and doing the work that God has told you to do, you're gonna start hearing things like, what do you think you're doing? Coming to church. Look at what you did yesterday. You were just at the bar Friday night. You just got drunk. Who do you think you are? You don't even deserve to be here. These people are going to look at you, and, and you, you should just leave here. And he's the accuser. He, he tries to put guilt and shame on you, and he tries to attach what you do with who you are to keep you and oppose the work that God is do, trying to do in your life. Look at you. You're trying to work on your marriage. It's never going to work. Look, you've already been divorced once. You think you can make it work now? See, this is exactly the verbal assault that, that Sanballat and Tobias was putting on Nehemiah. Praise God. The angels are singing. This means I'm telling you the truth, people. That should be a sign. But listen, I think we've wrongly concluded that faith is just believing the right things. That's the, that's, the, uh, that's the sword. That's the spiritual side of this fight that we need to believe the right things and you need to have a right understanding of what you believe and right theology, correct doctrine. We need to stand on the truths of the Bible. But if you just leave it here and you never actually let it go from here to here to your feet and actually walk it out, that's what faith is. That's what real faith is. You only use the sword, but you don't use the shovel. In other words, you'll have a head knowledge. This is the problem with the American church. We've put too much emphasis on knowing about God and not experientially taking what we know to be true about God and actually stepping out of faith and doing the things the Bible says to do in obedience to the word of truth and then experiencing what happens when we actually step out in faith and do it. I love, we just celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I love this quote from Martin Luther King Jr. He says this, faith is taking the first step when you don't see the whole staircase. Too many of us, we never take the first step because we're waiting for God to give us the whole staircase. And God is saying, no, I want you to take the truth of what you know to be true and, and take it and start stepping out in faith into the unknown. That means you're gonna have to start working. That means, do I believe when the Bible says that people can be healed by the supernatural power of God? Well, I might know it here, but I'm not praying for anybody to get healed. 
But maybe if you would actually step out and use the shovel of your faith and do something with what you believe and you started praying for people, what if God supernaturally touched somebody and they got healed? Your faith would be strengthened. And too many of us, we're not doing it. We're using one or the other. Look what James 2, 14 through 17 says this. What good is it, brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes. Now, James, is, I love it. He's getting practical with us. Here, we believe God is my provider. We sing it. God, you'll provide for me according to your riches and glory, but we don't tithe. We don't step out in faith, the shovel, and actually write the check, put the money in the offering. And, and so we believe that God can be my provider, but if I don't obey when the Holy Spirit tells me, I want you to give $100 to this person. I want you to help this person in need that God, we say, man, if I do that, I'm not gonna have anything left for myself. And we never give God what we have so that God can't give us what we don't. But when we step out in faith and give God what we don't have, we give God space to give us what we don't have. And then our faith grows. This is why our faith gets stunted. We use the sword. We believe that in the right spiritual things of our faith, right beliefs, right truth, but we don't ever put it into action doing the work with what we believe to be true so that God can actually move in our lives and build something. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food, and one of you says, go in peace. This is what we do. That's the sword, the spirit. Go in peace, brother. Bless you. I'm praying for you. How many times have we told somebody, I'll pray for you, or uh, somebody asks you, approaches you, hey, would you lead a connect group? Oh, yeah. I'll pray about that, pastor. I'll get back to you. <laughs> and you never get back to them. You never really do anything with it. You see somebody in need, and you say, brother, I'm going to pray for you. God bless you. And we don't even pray for him. We forget to pray for him. But we don't actually do something trusting that God is our provider. In the same way, Paul says, faith by itself. In other words, if you got the sword, you got the spirit, you got the right beliefs, but you never do anything with it, the work. You never put it to a shovel. You never get blisters on your hands. You never try to work it out. This is when Paul was saying, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out what you know to be true. You see this? We need both. You can't just have the right beliefs without doing something with what you believe. Paul is saying, that's no, or James is saying rather, that's no belief at all. Like that's not real faith. And if you're gonna fight this spiritual fight, the way you fight it, and this is when the devil really starts to, to get worried. Oh my gosh, you mean they're not just gonna sit in church and listen to a message? They're actually gonna take it and leave that place and do something with it? They're gonna start sharing the gospel with somebody in Walmart? They're gonna start praying for somebody in the parking lot? They're actually gonna take their money even though they don't know how they're gonna make it and they're gonna give it to somebody in need? Whoa, now I'm gonna oppose that because they're moving, they're fighting, they're doing something. God's gonna use it and he's gonna move and he's building something. What is he building? He's building Christ's character in you because this is how your faith grows. Come on, this is how your faith grows. So here's your choice. Some of you have been discouraged. You, you know that God has called you to do things and build your faith, but you don't do it. Here's your choice. You can either give up or you can grow up. And too many of us has given up. But here's, here's the problem. We work on the wrong things. We work on 
the who. So here's, here's, my, here's my encouragement to you. We oftentimes, when we start engaging in the work of God, part of our problem is we're working on the wrong things. We're trying to build on the wrong foundation. We're trying to change what we do, our behavior, and God wants us to start on the foundation. You gotta have a firm foundation that you build on, right? When, when they started rebuilding the wall, they had to get back to the firm foundation. I believe here's the firm foundation in your life and in my life, and that is our identity in Christ. So here's what happens. You try to change what you do, your behavior, and that can work for a little while. You can see some progress. You, you can go to the gym, you know, in January. And this is why by mid-February, 90-something percent of the people that started, they stop because they're trying to change what they do without trying to focus on who they actually are. See, this is how God changes us. He changes us on the foundation of who you are. And this is a problem for most of us because we've allowed our past, we've allowed the experiences of, um, even from childhood, of people who have tried to tell you who you are and who you're not. And we have believed lies about who God is and about who we are that have shaped your identity. Your identity is really... There's two parts to your identity, who God says you are and who you really believe you are. And for too many of us, we've allowed opposition, our enemy, to tell us who we really are instead of standing on in faith the truth about who God says you are. But here's what happens. You try to change your behavior and do something. You engage in the work that God wants you to do but if you do that, eventually it doesn't work because you're trying to do it in your own strength, in your own ability, and on the wrong foundation. When you start with allowing God to change and to speak the truth of who you really are in you, and you get that foundation of who you are in Christ right, now you can change based on that foundation of who you are and your right, correct, true self, true identity in Christ, and it will change you from the inside out. We try to change from the outside in by changing what we do. God wants you to focus on changing who you are before you change what you do. Now, identity, the, the Latin word, the root Latin word for it is, is a combination of two words. Watch this. Essentias, which means being, and identidem. Uh, I'm sorry, these are, these are actually backwards. Essentias, which means repeatedly, and identitem, which means being. So essentially, your identity is your repeated beingness. It's what you continually do over time that you form an identity, a belief about who you really are. And you see, this is why before you could properly, before Nehemiah and his, and his buddies could properly rebuild the wall, the first thing they had to do, they had to clear the rubble. They had to get all the old ruins out. They had to clear all the rubble. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to build on that foundation. And for many of us, we've, we're trying to build with the rubble of our past still hanging on to us. And we wonder why, uh, while we're building, it's not working. We're not changing. 
We're not seeing the, 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 the transformation in my life the way I needed to. And it's because you didn't allow God to pull down your old identity. This, this goes even back, man. There's some of us, there could be a fourth grade teacher who told you, you're never going to amount to anything. You're not smart enough. It could be a mother or father who say a word to you. It could be a brother or sister. It could be that you, you tried to make the last shot in a basketball game and you didn't. And therefore, in your mind, you, you failed. You became a failure. It could be that you've had a broken marriage. It could be that you were stuck in an addiction. It could be that you have sin in your life. And because you keep repeating your past and your old behavior and your old sin, what it does is what you repeat tells you a story. It tries to tell you who you really are, and we believe it because our identity is based on what we do rather than what Jesus did and who the Bible says that we really are. So the two greatest oppositions that you face in your life, and this is what you got to focus on. Number one, your identity. Number two, purpose. Who you really are in Christ and God's purpose in your life. This was Nehemiah. This is his story that sometimes we overlook. Nehemiah, God put this burden in him to do the work of leading people to rebuild the wall. In his mind, he's thinking, I'm just a cupbearer. I can't do that. I don't know anything about building a wall. Some of you sitting here saying, God has called you to lead a connect group. And you're saying to God, lead a connect group? I don't even know where the book of Leviticus is. Like, how am I supposed to do that? I'm not a leader. That's, that's not me. God, do you, do you know what I've done? And God's just saying, no, I want you to detach from who you think you are, and I want you to step into in faith, trusting me for who I say you are. He had to give, he had to give Nehemiah a new purpose. He had to remind him, no, you're not just a cupbearer. You're actually a child of the Most High. You're my son. I've called you to be a leader, not serve some king wine. I've called you to so much more. He, he had to think now he had been away from Israel so long, he started identifying more as a Persian than actually as an Israelite, as a child of the promise, as the child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And God was bringing him back physically to a place to begin a good work of building back who Nehemiah really was. No, you're not just a cupbearer. Come on, I believe today's a day that God wants to break off the rubble of who you thought you were and to build back in your life fighting for who you really are and who God has called you to be, who God has made you to be. Listen, this is why in the Bible, God changed people's names. No longer will you be called Jacob, liar, deceiver, cheater. From now on, why? Because Jacob wrestled, he fought. He fought the good fight. He, there was a moment where he could have given up. Halfway in the battle, Jacob made a decision. I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go until your power and your presence comes into my life, until I become the person that you have called me to be, made me to be, and I step in in faith into the purpose and destiny that you have for my life. 
And Jacob, as he wrestled, there was a point where he came face to face with God. Most people believe it was a Christophany. That's when Jesus showed up in the Old Testament. He came face to face with Jesus, and Jesus looked him in the eye and said, no longer are you a cheater. No longer are you a liar. No longer are you a deceiver. No longer are you a hypocrite. No longer are you an addict. No longer are you a broken person. No longer are you a sinner. Now I am calling you Israel, and you will strive as a prince of God. Israel, that word Israel actually means God contends. You know what it really means? God will fight for you. You don't have to try to change in your own strength, in your own power, in your own ability. Come on, am I talking to anybody who wants to fight this morning? You got to get your fight back. Come on, don't give me no golf clap. Act like you really want this change. Come on, stand to your feet. You got to get some fight in you. And I'll tell you what right now, that ain't going to cut it. You're going to leave here and nothing's going to change if you don't get deep down in your spirit that you're ready. You're going to stand. You're going to fight. You're going to partner with the God of heaven, heaven's armies. You got to get to a place where you stop seeing yourself. It's like David. He could have looked at himself. I'm just 13 years old. He showed up on the battle scene. He sees this giant staring down this vast army and nobody, nobody is willing to stand up to this guy. They're all afraid. Come on. Some of you, you've got giants in your life that have been mocking you, telling you you're never gonna, you're never gonna defeat me. You're never gonna get past this sin. You're never gonna get healing for this brokenness. It's never gonna happen. You're never gonna turn into the person of God that God has called you to be. And there comes a time David shows up and he's, he's 14 years old. And he says, enough is enough. I, I can't take it anymore. Somebody's got to stand up to this giant. And he steps out on that battlefield with a sling and a couple of stones. And the giant looks at him and he laughs at him. And he said, what are you, you send me a dog to try to fight me? And he's mocking every day he comes out, mocking him, just like the enemy is getting in your face. He'll get you in the morning. He'll get you in the evening. He'll get you in the middle of the day. And he's telling you, you're never going to make it. You're never going to change. It's never going to happen. You're never going to get breakthrough. You're never going to become the person that God has called you to. Your marriage is going to stay a mess. Your finances, you're going to stay in that bad habit. Your, that sin is never going away. And you got to get up just like David and said, I've had enough. And I'm going to stand up in the face of opposition. And I'm going to look you dead in the eye and say, hey, you come at me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. I come at you in the name of the God of heaven's armies, the God that is great and awesome. He will fight for me fight for me but I gotta give him something to work with I gotta be willing to stand in faith and say God I'm not there I don't even know some of you right now you're even saying in your heart I don't know if I even have the faith to believe this Pastor Lance and I would just say you don't need the faith to believe it right now you just need the faith to stand you need the faith to stand come on there's some of you your marriage is are broken they're on the rocks some of you you're fighting for relationships some of you you're fighting for your sons and daughters some of you you're fighting for the brokenness inside of you and and hidden sin and, and things about your character that are broken what did nehemiah do is what we're going to do as we close is we're going to remember 
how great and awesome God is. It reminds me of being a 19-year-old, broken inside, insecure, lost, addicted, couldn't sleep, full of anxiety, full of fear, didn't know what my future hold. My aunt asked me if you want to go to a, a service just like this, and I said yes. And I walked in those doors, a broken young man, the end of the service just like this I stood up fighting everything inside of me the pride the fear the anxiety and I walked to the front I fell down on my knees one man I stood back up another man in the fullness and the grace and the power of God and the Holy Spirit. And I'm wondering if some of you today, you need to stand up and you need to, you need to walk up to this altar at the end of this service and you need to say enough is enough. I'm done playing around with God. I'm done getting beat up by the enemy. I'm taking a stand today. Come on, if that's you, right now, just, just stand, just get up and walk up front here. Right now, I mean, are you serious about God moving in your life or are you not? Are you gonna to continue to let the enemy speak to you and keep you bound in fear, afraid of what other people are gonna think? If you, let me tell you something, if you can't do it here, there's no way you're gonna do it out there. Yeah. This is where it begins. God bless you, I believe that your faith is gonna make you well. I believe that your faith is gonna make you strong. Come on, there's some of you. I'm gonna give you an opportunity because you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna give the devil something to work with because you're not gonna obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. You're gonna leave here today and as soon as you leave, the voice of the enemy is gonna come on and he's gonna shame you. He's gonna put guilt on you. He's gonna say, man, you're what a wimp. You, you can't even stand, you can't even, couldn't even go to the altar when I was calling you. How are you gonna move in your life? Come on, we're gonna praise to this song. And I believe that God is going to break through in your life. Today's a day that you're going to receive breakthrough in your life. Come on, lift your hands right now. Father, we give you ourselves today and we stand in your presence right now. And we stand on the authority of Jesus Christ and what you did on the cross. We remember, Jesus, that when you died, you said it is finished. And it all sin, sickness, disease, death was finished. I am free. I'm victorious. I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm a saint. I am filled with the fullness of God. And I am filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in all that you've called me to and who I am in Christ. And I step in to my calling my destiny and my purpose as a son, as a daughter of the Most High God who is great and awesome. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.